Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Oh. <laughs> And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 281 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcast, and coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? The Wild Sunday. I was going to say Super Bowl Sunday, but it's not. That's next Sunday. So, no big game today. You're stuck with me. <clears throat> well, it's not just me. I have a guest today, folks. Uh, yes. Francois Morissette has joined me from Quebec, and we are going to talk about all things LNAH and uh, the AAA Senior League. Seldom talked about, and Francois is going to give us a crash course in that, and and uh, the Brashear incident that everyone's talking about. Uh, he was uh, we're, he's right in the middle of all of that. He's he is our uh, he he'll be our Quebec. Uh, Fourth line voice uh, correspondent. Actually, it was pretty good. Uh, last night, um, of course, Derek Parker and Curtis Swanson uh, were flown in and dressed for the Laval team. And uh, shenanigans ensued And uh, in both nights on uh, on Thursday and Friday. And uh, Francois was at both games and was putting up video and keeping everyone uh, abreast of the situation. And, oh, Derek Parker, did he truck Patrick Bordalo? Oh, so, uh, yeah, check that out. Good to see Swanson back at her, even though he got, got cut in, the, in a fight with uh, Amel. Uh, he was back the next night, not slowing down. Going to need a bat to slow him down. But he was there, tremendous. Great to see uh, Swanson back in Laval, back on the old stomping grounds. So... So yeah, it was uh, Francois was a great guest. I recorded with him the other night, with the other day, and uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. And uh, actually talked a long time. Jeez, I think two hours or something. So uh, I am going to keep this very brief because folks didn't tune in to hear me. Um, 
Well, first off, as I said, remember the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. Whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, we've got Alec over at the Five for Fighting podcast. Uh, check his show out. Tremendous back catalog. Segroy, Bra, Frank, Bialois. Um little slow with the new episodes. He's got a lot going on, but uh, he'll, he'll get one out. But definitely give it a follow. Like I said, great back catalog. Of course, we've got Joe, Joe Lazito over at the Nordique's Knuckles podcast. Obviously, as this, as just as it sounds, a Quebec Nordique-centered podcast. He just released part three with Dave Marcinishan. A salty old blue liner. Big fan of uh, Marcinishan. And uh, Joe does a great job. And uh, he just started this podcast up. Few months back, um, we had Trevor Steenberg on, Ken McRae, Dave Marcinishan. So far, um, well, my my voice is wavering. Hold on here, folks. I don't get it. I like it's like I don't cough all day. As soon as I get behind the microphone and start talking, yeah, it's like my throat starts like closing up or something. But <clears throat> so pardon me. But uh, yes, Jolton Joe, and then I've, uh, oh a, a new cat on the scene, Jordan, five in a game. He is also a member of the Hockey Podcast Network, and uh, he's been doing great work. Um, just starting out, had already had great guests, Lies on, Ryan Hand, uh, on and on. Um, yeah, he also has, uh, well, I was going to say YouTube channel. Speaking of YouTube, of course, uh, Five in a Game YouTube channel. Five for, a lot of fives. Five for Fighting YouTube channel. And... Uh, Oh, some fourth-line voice guy. You can check out his YouTube channel. But like I always say with all these YouTube channels and all these podcasts, well, the other YouTube channel is, of course, D Skunk. D, the letter D, Skunk. Um, he uh, he uploads... Uh, see, my boy. My boy. What is my deal? God. Stop and start. Stop and start. Pardon, pardon me. Um, he uploads SPHL fights. As well as he, uh, he's had the channel for like over a decade. So it goes back to like the old IHL, UHL days and Quad City and all that stuff. And, uh, definitely check out his, uh, go down that rabbit hole because he's got some awesome videos. Uh, but what I was going to say with the YouTube channels and, and the, on the podcasting platforms, um, I know I always say it, but I'm going to, I'm going to repeat it all the time. Um, as listeners, that's all, as creators, that's all we ask from you. You're, you know, we're, we're giving you free stuff here. You can just do something for us. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. If you watch a video and you like it, hit the little thumbs up. YouTube loves that shit. Believe me, I'm serious. I'm not just being jokes here. YouTube loves that shit. And it's like an interactive thing. Helps with the analytics. So as creators, we ask if you could help us out with that. If you go to a YouTube channel. And then the same thing with the podcast. Rate and review the show. Again, when I say review, I'm not telling you, oh, it's grade 12 and we need a thousand word essay from you. No, just say good job. Liked it. It was okay. Whatever. Or don't even, you don't even have to write a review. Just hit the star rating. Like I said, the phone's in your hand. Just hit the star rating. That's it. Because again, it helps us out. I'm not just saying just do it for me. For any podcast that you listen to. And like I said, the ones I mentioned, Alec and Jordan and Joe's, myself, or whatever podcast you listen to. I mean, I don't know if Joe Rogan really needs your star rating. I think he'll be okay. But uh, but you know what I'm saying. For the littler shows, it's great for the analytics. Again, the platforms like when we do that. It shows interaction, blah, blah, blah. And like I said, it's the, it's the, the only thing as listeners that we ask you to, if you could do that. It's free. Like I said, you're sitting there listening to it anyway. Boom. If you could rate and review, tremendous. 
Uh, we'd we'd all greatly appreciate it. But also in this episode, uh, when I'm talking to Francois, we also talk about his YouTube channel that he has out. And um, I am going to put the link in the description of this episode. Um, but his channel is FCM Hockey Hockey Videos, and uh, and he has a lot. He has LNH. Well, he has the stuff from last night. He has LNH game because these are the games he's attends. But also the Double A League, and you're like, why do I want to watch Double? Oh, believe me, it is old school. We got bench clearing brawls and shit. We got guys fighting trainers. Oh, shit goes down on that Double A, the old Triple A League that uh, that used to happen back in the late '90s in the old QSPHL days. So definitely uh, check that out. Um, so like I said, I'm going to put the link in the description. Check it out while we're talking. You can watch the videos. Um, again, subscribe to his channel. He'd appreciate it. And, um, and actually it all, and another serious, on a serious note here, serious note here, folks. Uh, it's another thing that, uh, Francois and I talked about, but, uh, the, uh, unfortunate, uh, David Lacroix, tough guy in the, uh, in the LN, a long time tough guy in the LNAH, unfortunately has been, uh, diagnosed with stage four cancer and, um, they started up a GoFundMe and, uh, it's, and if, uh, if, if you can give, that's tremendous. And, uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to put the link in the description as well. And, uh, it, you know, if you could, uh, if any donations are great, if you could share the link, that would be tremendous, but I'm going to put that in the descriptions as well. If you, uh, if you want to check that out. So, uh, like I said, we talk about all that and, uh, and, uh, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Dan and, uh, Fred, oh, I think I, we referenced the group a few times. It's the Enforcer Appreciation Group, uh, on Facebook. Uh, feel free to join. Um, Francois and myself are like, and, uh, and Alec, uh, Alec was the one that created the page and, uh, created the group. And, uh, Francois and myself are moderators as well as a few other folks. Um, yeah, and he does a lot of great work in the group. Is always uploading videos and stuff. So when I, we talk about the group, that's what we're talking about. So uh, it's not some exclusive club. You can come join. It's cool. I mean, a lot of cool members, a lot of great discussions. That's where a lot of my, that's where, I mean, any long time listener, you're probably all members of it anyway. But when I'm talking about, oh, I was on the Facebook group. That's what group I'm talking about. Uh, that and the Hockey Fights and Brawls. Those are the two Facebook groups that I'm a part of. Um, William Chippeway was former guest from Winnipeg. I had William back on the show. Um, the hockey fights and brawls. He was the one that uh, got me going on that group, and uh, and then the enforcer group with it, which is Alex's. Um, so yeah, if you guys are on, Fa- I think everyone in the world's on Facebook, are they not? Uh, join the groups. It's cool. Um, a lot of great discussion. A lot of cool pictures, vids, and videos are shared, and uh, yeah, it's it's a good time. Uh, well, for the most part, I mean, I yell and holler at people sometimes for idiots, but they don't, if you're an idiot, you're not going to last too long in the group. We'll just boot you. So yeah, we try to keep it. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with debates and some, some back and forth, but yeah, the, the trolls and the goofs, no, nah, they don't last long. So, uh, so yeah, but definitely check out the group. I think you'll dig it, but, uh, let's get into this. Um, got a couple interviews lined up for next week, um, or for this week coming up, I guess it's Sunday that you're listening to this, uh, the week coming up, hopefully, uh, you know, it, it works out and I think they'll be fun. And, uh, and the Mount Rushmore, I have not forgot. If you have still, uh, want to participate, uh, send me an email, hockeyfights at hotmail.com. Um, send me your Mount Rushmore. Uh, yeah, and it's just as it sounds of, 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 of what you're going to, I should clarify. Um, I'm doing all the NHL teams Mount Rushmore. So, uh, but please do not use the same guy twice. 
i.e. Probert in Detroit and Chicago, McSorley in Edmonton and L.A., one or the other, please. And, uh, yeah, so it's well, basically the four, who you think are the four toughest guys on each team's, in each team's history. Um, obviously excluding Vegas and Seattle because, you know, what's the point? But uh, other than that, um, yeah, if it's a little exercise you want to take, if you want to take part in, um, basically I've got, shit, I, I haven't counted them up, but it was over 40 uh, submissions the last time I checked. So I'm going to sit down at some point this week and kind of go over them. Um, just average them out and stuff. And, uh, in an episode, maybe next Sunday's episode will be the Mount Rushmore episode. And, uh, I think I'll, I'll grab a cat to, uh, help me host that. And, uh, and we'll talk about all that. Should be a fun episode. So, but anyway, guys, I'm going to get out of here. Let's, uh, let's attack the work week. I hope everybody starts the week strong. And, uh, yeah, this is my conversation with Francois. I want to thank him again for coming on. He was a great guest. Uh, as I would say, hopefully not the last time he comes on. We'll get him on again. And uh, I had a lot of fun chatting with him. And we talked, like I said, the crazy LNAH and the, and the whole Quebec scene. It's, uh, it's a different hockey world out in Quebec for sure. And it was fun to uh, hear it from a guy that, uh, that lives there and, and has gone through it. So uh, anyway, guys, without further ado, here's my guest, Francois. And uh, yeah, folks, talk to you Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. All right, here on the fourth line voice, I have a special guest out in Quebec, Francois. Francois, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. What about you, Darren? I'm I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for uh, for coming on the show. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little of a, a little crazy in the LNAH tonight. If you if you're fired up for that, yeah, that's what I'm here for. Yes, we're gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm tapping your uh, knowledge of the uh, of the Quebec scene, and um, I know a lot of listeners uh, of the show. Um, they know my fondness for the LNAH, you know, the, especially in the, uh, mid, mid 2000s. And, uh, I've talked, I've had guys from the league on the show and stuff like that. And, uh, it's always, it's one of those leagues that's sort of, uh, um, it, it's a, it well, certainly different. And I mean, as, as far as fight fans go, there's always been this, like, you know, this carnival, like craziness to the, to the Quebec league. Um, and we're going to get into that tonight, but, uh. First of all, when, uh, where exactly did you grow up in Quebec, and uh, when did you sort of uh, start becoming a fan of the Quebec uh, LNAH League? Yeah, so I grew up in a small town uh, named Bromptonville. Uh, so this is uh, about 10 minutes north of Sherbrooke. Um, and uh, this is also the hometown of uh, NHLers, Stefan Robida. And his uh, younger brother Simon Robida, uh, who is a well-known uh, LNAH guy, uh, at least in Sherbrooke, yeah, uh, pretty popular guy. So this is where I grew up. Started playing at three, uh, and up until I was around thirteen, fourteen, I was a big-time hockey player, defenseman. Um, played with. Uh, the triple A teams of my area and then even like, uh, in Montreal or other towns, other cities. And, uh, I stopped playing altogether around 15. I decided I threw that away and, uh, I did not like it anymore. I don't know why, but, um, so in my youth, it was hockey, hockey, hockey. Uh, I was a fan at first of the 
Sherbrooke Beavers in the in the queue. So that's the team we had. And then they moved uh, to Lewiston, Maine. And uh, the, the team that came in to replace them in the Sherbrooke market was uh, St. Francois, like the Saints. All right, I'll call them the Saints. It's a little easier in English. So. Yep. Uh, and from that point on, I think it was first year, my, my father did not want us, did not want me to, to see that hockey because, like, yeah, in his mind, it was too much violence and everything. So that first year, we went to Drummondville in the queue. That's a team that had Thomas Belmar on it. And he was my favorite player. He had been drafted for the Blues. I was looking at him all the time. Uh, and I, I think he made me fall in love with the role because that's the first time I saw a guy that was that aimed to the NHL with that role in mind. And uh, so that's the first guy I can remember being an enforcer. I knew I knew there were fights in hockey, but I did not necessarily know that one guy is stronger than another one, and that this guy does it more often. But I saw Belmar play, and the, that was that was it for me. Um, so in the the next year, we had a lockout in the NHL. So filled the void. My dad started going to Saints games, and uh, he thought it was all right, despite being a circus. Like, uh, <laughs> so uh, I went there until. Uh, most games until I'd say, I, I, I remember the date exactly. It was December the 6th, uh, 2007, when an incident happened. It went to court and whatnot. I, we can talk about that later in the show. But uh, I, I could not go anymore. My parents did not approve of me attending these games. So um, at that time, I, I just I did not attend any hockey game. I was just watching a game on on TV, uh, and from 2007, 8, up until, I'd say, 2017, 2018, I did not watch anything. Not, uh, I, I only watched NHL and a little bit of Q, but not, nothing to get me excited too much. And uh, in 2017, 18, uh, my brother-in-law, well, my, my, he's actually my brother-in-law, but my sister started dating a, a, a player in, in the AAA league who became a coach. And uh, he was assistant coach uh, with Simon Robida. That was the team in Windsor, uh, Windsor PQ. And I, I restarted attending their games with free tickets. They, they convinced me. And it was a lot of affair ever since with, with me. So <laughs> I've attended all games. Well, it's funny oh, yeah. because that, that's quite a that's quite a stretch where you didn't attend or or pay any attention to the LNAH. Why exactly did you just like drop it? I think there's a part of me that just I dropped hockey altogether. I did not want to think about it, uh, and uh, also when I was watching games, uh, when we were in 2010, 20 all the. First half of the 10s, the 2010s, I mean, uh, guys my age were playing in the queue. So I, I was I was watching them play. And I was more interested. I was not that interested, but I was interested in their careers. Uh, and uh, so I, when they would be in town, I would 
I would go see a Q, uh, a Q game here and there, but nothing much until it was, I remembered that semi pro existed. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's when I got the hang of it. Yeah. So you're, you're, uh, yeah. So your fandom is sort of spaced out from the lockout to, uh, to, uh, basically 2018. Well, the lockout, no, um, I said twenty. Tw- uh, I say two thousand eight to twenty seventeen. Uh, these are like years that I have not followed the league, so I have a pretty clear opinion about how it changed. Because if you see it change through the years, it just changes a little bit and a little bit. But then when you miss like a ten year or eight eight seasons in a row, yeah, now you you, you can tell uh, there's a big difference. Well, yeah, there's a, well, and that's the, and that's what I've talked about on this show, right? Because like I had, you know, I had started following it in like 01, 02, 03, 04, kind of in that area when it was just, you know, when the, the Chiefs documentary was out and then, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so the real crazy stuff, uh, and then to see it now, I mean, not to say that there isn't tough guys in the league because there are, but nothing like it was at all. No, no. I, for for me, uh, uh, golden era of LNH is 2006 to 2007. Is that season? In fact, like uh, that's the season, if I recall correctly. Drop your gloves, Pat. Uh, Saint Jean, the Chiefs. You know they moved to Saint Jean. Yeah. They had 315 fights, and the runner-up to them was Sherbrooke with 301 or 302 in 48 games. Yeah. Like this is this is almost six a game, and the nerd team they call they called them the nerd team in Bedford. They had a hundred and ninety two. <laughs> I mean, this is just crazy, and that's uh, accounting for like the playoffs. It's a whole year, uh, but yeah, it's just a crazy amount. The the hockey was something else, and and that's just. Uh, that's how it was. Yeah, no, it was it, it was uh, it was crazy times for sure. And uh, so, I mean, like uh, like that 0708 year. That um, yeah, that's what year you just 0708, right? Yeah. Well, 0607, I think, is the one that had the most fights total. Yeah. Um, but 0708 was just as crazy, probably. So, yeah. Uh, it's not because Dropper Glove's not around anymore, and they had all this, these relevant stats. It was pretty much a database of, of this kind of stuff. But yeah, so I can I, I remember very clearly every player on Sherbrooke uh, these years. Yeah, well, just to give the people listening just an idea, I'm just sort of I'm looking at the Sherbrooke roster for two, the 2006 2007 season, and. Um, yeah, just to just to throw some names at you, it was like Craig Brunel, Simon Robita, Brad Wingfield, uh, yeah. Louis Bedard, Mike Varhog, yeah, Roger Maxwell, uh, Saint Laurent, JF Saint Laurent, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, that guy, <laughs> yeah, 93, 93 minutes and eleven games. There you go. Yeah, that, those are stats you still see in AAA, though. So that, this is where where we'll get at. 
eventually. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, well, because I definitely want to discuss the... Because um, there's so many... Uh, there's so many different leagues in Quebec, and uh, and uh, yes, we'll definitely get into that. But um, mm-hmm. what just just to kind of go over like just with the roster that I was talking about, um, you know, what what are your memories of uh, Winger and Bedard and Varhog and those guys? Uh, what I can tell is that my favorite player was Bedard. I thought I thought he first like. I always like the the fact that he he definitely like hockey wise he he has some skill by the way like but he was an open fighter he uh, most of his fights were entertaining and he had the right attitude I mean sometimes you could hear him uh, chat with uh, I so me and a bunch of other kids we were going to see the player before the game and. You know, this guy is always being chatty with us. We were 10 years old or so. Uh, with uh, Robida, especially. Robida, actually, is, uh, uh, even in his career, has always worked. Uh, he's a teacher, so uh, he's always, uh, he was always entertaining us. Uh, you know, so Bedard is, is one of my favorites. Um, the other guys that were uh, on these teams, uh, on these rosters, like uh, from I'd say '05 to '08, uh, there's guys like Varog. Yep. And that's uh, that's a blast from the past and a pretty huge individual. Uh, we had a charity game because one of my uh, teammates had cancer, and we were like 12, so this you know it's a big deal. And it was on a Sunday after after a game. Uh, the, the Saints, they, they have like a charity game, uh, with and against us. And, uh, I took the draw. Well, I was a defenseman, but just because I wanted, I took the draw in front of Mike Varog. I was either 11 or 12. This guy is 6'8 or something. Yeah. <laughs> this guy is a monster. Uh, yeah, uh, very scary individual. Varog, I, at some time, at some point, um, was uh, in Sherbrooke, and um, there was the RDS TV crew, uh, and uh, the game was on TV, and that's a game in which um, Vara uh, fought Derek Parker. It was uh, St. Pierre Saint, and uh, that's that's the most brutal KO I've seen in my life uh, that Parker suffered. I mean, it's... It's on, it's on YouTube, I'm pretty sure. Even the TV feed is on YouTube. Yep. Uh, yeah, you can you can see that. Uh, uh, that that was actually scary for me to see because, like, Parker was out, completely out. But, I mean, this, it's, it, was, it was that league. I mean, and Parker was uh, an up-and-coming guy. I think it was the second year. Uh, and people in the stands, right before that fight, there's an old man in the stands that was talking to my dad and said, like, oh, uh, Parker's not as good this season as he wasn't at first. And uh, my dad simply did not care for fights. But, uh, yeah, so uh, but Parker was one of the guys I was the most afraid of uh, uh, in, that, in the league. I thought he was, like, the strongest. So I was afraid for, for Barog. And, and yeah, Parker. Uh, God bless him. I, I like him, but in that fight, 
uh, did not go well for him. So that's my highlight. That's the that's the fight I remember the most. Yeah, that yeah that knockout was brutal, and uh, yeah, well, I mean everyone has their day, right? And unfortunately, it uh, yeah, yeah that didn't go well. Um, well, you mentioned it like before. We may as well talk about it now. You had talked you had talked about an incident that happened at the when you were at the game. Um, can yeah. you can you care to elaborate on that? Yeah, I can. I can tell everything about that. So All right. There's a there's a bench clearing brawl because that's what happens in the LNAA trade, <laughs> and uh, my attention is on some of the fights that are going on. And uh, so it's December the sixth, two thousand seven, and uh, there's that bench clearing brawl. It's Trois-Rivières in uh, in town, and uh, all of a sudden I have a a stick that hits my knee. It's a Blue Mission M2 one-piece stick. These, these one-pieces were special for us back then. It was all, it was uh, mostly wooden sticks. And uh, so I, I was like, yeah, I, was, I, I had a stick on me, so I took it. Then I was with my friend, and we were 13. And I was with my friend, and my friend is bleeding got all of his front to the front teeth uh knocked out and it's because like the end of the stick came right in his in his mouth and took all of his teeth out so and then the the, the fans all around us they jumped us for the stick so so we were we were stuck there and uh, the fans were there's a guy that that stole the stick from me and uh uh at that point, we had no parents there because I guess our parents would just drop us at the arena and pick us up uh, at the end. So, uh, yeah, there's uh, my friend with uh, blood pouring all over, and that was it for for me and for him. No more LNAH games. Uh, uh, the news, local newscast got a hold of it, and uh turns out that... Uh, the stick had been thrown by uh, Eric Haley, so that's uh, the coach in the Trois Rivières, and uh, he got he uh, he pleaded non guilty, but two two years after, it turns out that he was declared guilty, and uh, I don't know how I don't know if he had any type of consequence, but that was it for me in an LMAA drink. <laughs> at least according to my parents. <laughs> so yeah, a little bit of a black eye on on uh, on the history, but whatever. I mean, this shit happens, I guess. Yeah, there's been some crazy fan incidents in the Quebec League over the year. Uh, over the years, from your experience from going to the games and just, I mean, we'll get into the Double A leagues and all that, but just. When you go to those games and the LNAH games that you've been to in general, like set set the mood. Like how how crazy are the fans? Okay, so this is still true in AAA, uh, but that they remind me of the fans back then. So so when the fans when you go in into when you went in an LNAH game at that time, um, first of all it was like eight bucks. For an adult and like four bucks for for a, for the kids, so 
Uh, a lot of people went to these games back then. And um, I think uh, also uh, uh, the fans, like, during warm-ups, all they wanted to know is who are the five top guys that this, uh, this, this supposing team brought in. And a lot of the times the fans would have conversations about how, like, uh, whatever team does not bring all of the toughness on the road and they keep it for at home games and whatnot. And, uh, they would argue also or talk about like who's the number one guy and the number two guy and who is our number one and our number two. Um, I guess uh, translated into NHL talk that would be heavyweight and middleweight and lightweight, but. For us, it's more like number one, number two, number three. Yep. Um, so and there's there was always sort of a code in the LNAH as like a number one guy was was not going to fight a number four guy or a guy that just cracked up uh, a roster or like there there's some classes like I don't know there's the main event and the undercard basically. So, yeah, people are talking about that. They're waiting for the fights. They're looking at the rosters. And I remember in Sherbrooke, the first thought they could see on the, you know, they give you like a a piece of paper with all the players on it. And the first thought you would see was the penalty in minutes for each guy. There you go. Oh, my God. (laughs) I just remember that right now. I did not remember before that, so yeah, that's uh, that's the spirit in LNH. But and, I mean, and that's the thing, and they're openly promoting this. So what happens is um, LNH is well, especially now, it's sort of it's there's a media uh, blackout on LNH. There used to be games on RDS. Yep. Um, but it was explained. I, I had I, I heard that not too long ago by an actual RDS uh, reporter who said, um, "Yeah, the network just did not like when it got out of hand, and they stopped. There was like a boycott. That's what he called it—a a media boycott on LNH. So whenever LNH or any semi-pro uh, team." is in the news. It's for the wrong reasons. Um, they do not, the media, even the local media, does not really talk about the day-to-day operations of every team and, oh, this player got traded and whatnot. No, there's none of that. When they talk about it, it's, it's just if there's something very bad that went on, um, so I don't, I, I can't recall where I was going with that. But uh, if you can remind me your question, well, I, 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 I guess my, my comment is that. Well, one of my questions would be like, so you're in Sherbrooke, your local news, you're watching the Sherbrooke, the Sherbrooke local news, and we're watching the weather, and now it's time for Sherbrooke Sports and your local cable company. They're not showing LNH highlights of the night. No, and if they do, it's um, it's because it went bad. Uh, there's actually on YouTube, there's a, a CBC special or whatever about the same. It's a, 
Yeah. The Toronto guy that just talks about, talks down on us, even mocks like, uh, whatever, man, the food, the accent of the people, and oh my God, this is so bad. It's condescending. So if they talk about it, it's, it's in that way. So, uh, yeah, they better not talk about it. Also, where I was going with that is the teams, when they have to publicly speak about something that happened, they have to condemn. They always do that. They, they do condemn like, oh, uh, the violence and the hockey and we're trying to get things under control, but you know, the, those lines they throw, but <laughs> every, every, every weekend when a team gets a hold of a tough guy, let's say to sign him, they put up like, uh, on whatever social media or uh, even back in the days, there were like websites, old school websites. The oh, teams yeah. would like say, okay, they would have like, uh, uh, photoshops with, uh, whatever tough guy, like, uh, on it. And this guy would be photoshopped fighting the other guy from the other team. And, you know, it's, yeah, they do promote it among themselves. But when they go public, they have to, they have to tame their, uh, you know, their violence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I so mean, this is, that's always, it's kind of like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, right? It's like, you know, on one hand, they're trying to condemn it and we're trying to be a, a feeder league or whatever. And then, and then on the other yeah. hand, like you said, we were just talking before we got on air, like Parker and Swanson are playing tomorrow night in St. George and you're going to it. And Laval's sitting there promoting For that sure. they're coming, right? So. Sure. You can, oh yeah, sure. This is, this is the name of the game. I mean, they. Yeah, they they do still promote they they do still promote it that way because I mean L, the uh, the LNAH of today is the closest thing you will get in hockey to the LNAH of old. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So you have to make do with what you you have. I mean, yeah. Well, uh, and again, we'll we'll go back to to that because uh, if we're talking. Like uh, uh, actual leagues, like that are that have former NHLers and whatnot. Of course, the LNH of today is the closest thing you will get to the LNH of old. But if we're talking all leagues of all um, levels, Senior AAA is. <laughs> so yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. So let's get into that. Um... For those out there, their list, they, of course, the LNAH, I guess, whatever you want to call it, that's the that's the main league in Quebec, the LNAH. Um, but underneath that is the AAA Senior League that you're referring to. Um, what are yeah. the what are the like? It's the LNAH. And then what is it? It's like LSQP or something. Like what is it? The initials. Uh, the initials exactly are L H S. Triple AQ. So, okay. Uh, this is uh, for this is basically this would translate Quebec Triple A Senior Hockey League, basically. And this league used to be called uh, LHSAM, and before that, it was uh, the it, it, so basically it's the feeder league into LMH, right? 
Yeah. Um, before that, I cannot tell right now what was the, the, the name of it, but it always existed and it always fed into into LNH. So the AAA is where there is there still is craziness around. Uh, this is even more uh, boycotted. Like if we're talking to, about the media and whatnot, like there's there is except for cell phone, nobody actually films these these games or not that I know of. Uh, so this is what uh, you, I have a YouTube channel uh, that that documents it, like not documents, but I film the fights mainly and whatever I go to one of these games and. Yeah, basically, th- these are smaller towns also, and uh, the people, I don't know how to, to, to explain that, but it's, it's rowdier than actual LNAH. I would say it's close to what the LNAH used to be. Um, so, you know, conversations before the game is always like, oh, who's the new guy, and who's the... Who's, um, I don't know who did this team sign and uh, who's going to fight who. And it's, it's just that. And, you know, they, they have booster clubs uh, from the other team and, you know, shit happens in the stands and players get into it with the fans. And it's just general craziness. I think like they still manage to get like four fights a game. You can't tell because drop your still down, but uh, yeah. It's, uh, I'd say three to four fights a game. Uh, if there's no fight in the game, I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen it happen maybe once, uh, in five years. Uh, so this is, you know, this, this league is something else. There's always bench clearing balls, maybe 15 a year. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I sent you a, a few, yep. a few, uh, a few videos of it, like, and this is just run of the mill stuff. Yeah, no, exactly. So, and, and for those listening, I am going to put Fred. I'm going to put his YouTube channel. I'm going to put the link in the description here of the show. So click on it. He's got some great shit on there. I'm telling you, you guys will dig it. And now a message from our sponsors. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. I know myself, like most people, I'm going to work out more. <laughs> but I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change. And if it's something you use every day, like my Raycons, Raycon is a premium audio at the perfect price point. You can build great habits without breaking the bank. Yeah, just throw them in your ears, jump on the treadmill, Makes makes the workout go a lot quicker. You can listen to your favorite podcast, hashtag Enforcer Based Podcasting. Uh, but whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that'll last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yes, Raycon started half the price of other premium audio brands, so you don't have to choose between products. You can get one of each. Or a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with the, with some of the other guys. If you have multiple pairs of everyday earbuds, throw one in the gym bag. Throw one at your desk at work. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. 
They offer a buy now, pay later options. Every purchase has an easy and free return guaranteed. Yeah, I've always found, I've had numerous different earbuds over the years. And I always have trouble fitting my ear for some reason. But the Raycons, actually really good fit. And the best part is they are actually, and I know firsthand, they're actually sweat, water and sweat resistant. Get ready to buy something small with big impact. Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Um, in terms of this double A league, or the triple A league, pardon me, that you're talking about, um, off the top of your head, do you know how many how many teams are in that league? Uh, right now, I, uh, it's eight. Used to be nine, and there used to be seven. To this is a very unstable league. You know, some of these some of these teams begin the year, but they don't end it. Uh, but it's it's always around eight or nine. Uh, you have smaller teams that use uh, smaller towns that used to 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 have uh, bigger uh, bigger L teams like Granby is the closest market to mine. It's the one I attend the most games of. Uh, Granby used to have a, a team in the LNAH before. I, I don't know their name, though. <laughs> that was uh, Lake Gates played there. Yes. So they yeah. do have like a history of, uh, they do have a history of uh, hockey fights. And I, I recall, they like their fighters uh, out there. And uh, I they even had a, uh, a night with George Rock because he, he had won the Memorial, the Memorial Cup with Granby in junior in the queue. So, uh, he was there and people just love their enforcers out there. Uh, so yeah, this is, and there's Granby, there's the, the Nakana, there's, there's a team in, uh, 12 years now, uh, which used to have an LNH team, uh, and a few smaller, smaller towns that uh, that have oh. their own team. So, so sometimes it's like 400 people in the arena and, and the barn is packed. So it's it's small budget. They're running on small budget. Yeah, I was going to say, when you go to the games in Granby, they're getting about four or 500 people. Granby draws the biggest, uh, I'd say it's a, uh, usually around 1,000. Yeah. Um. But this is uh, this is the exception rather than the rule because usually the small the ranks are small and uh, four hundred people is back. I'd say I'd say most teams they draw I'd say four hundred to seven hundred. Well, that's not that's so not bad. LNH draws. Uh, they run on it. They 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 pay their players and they're tough guys and it works. So why not? It's uh, yeah, it's a good show. <laughs> Still is a good show, and uh, makes people uh, get up often to see what's going on on the ice. <laughs> now, do you know? Yeah. Do, do any of these teams like when we talk about the feeder league to the LNH? Like, is um, like are these kind of uh, what's the, like? Are they? Are you know? Are like are they farm teams to the LNH? Like, does Granby feed not- Laval, or is it just whoever wants whoever? No, so this it doesn't work like a it uh, like a it's not like AHL, the NHL AHL, AHL kind of thing or anything. No, it doesn't work like that in AAA. It is mostly uh, they're going to have local 
local strain for them. Yeah. Mostly. Uh, sometimes not, but most of the time they're trying to get local guys. And AAA, by the way, is usually, this is where players go when they don't want to travel, uh, when they don't want to travel in LNH. So, um, there's, you know, so yeah, there, there's some decent players playing there. That's for sure. Uh, but I, I would say the level is definitely under LNH. It's still like, it's not a ridiculous level. They have guys, uh, LNH banned their players from playing, uh, for the ECHL team in Florida and, um, and uh, now they have AAA guys doing it, and uh, it's not—it's not like the guys can't skate. Uh, it's just—it's uh, just mostly local guys, and now there's like rules that prevent LNH players from playing AAA. Uh, LNH is doing a bunch of stupid stuff. I, well, I—I I mean, I say they're stupid. I'm not in the know of everything that's going on, but from. An outsider's perspective, this seems like they're shooting themselves in the foot often. So, yeah, they they have rules against uh, AAA guys coming into play, uh, playing in LMAH. And no, the teams are not like Laval can take any any guy they want in the in the Quebec Micro ecosystem, except they have. Draft, not draft lists, but they have protected lists. Yeah. So every year there's a draft, and they can they can draft a guy that's either from juniors or NHL even, or they can draft guys in AAA and try to make them uh, convince them to come play in LNAH next year. So yes, it works like that. Well, so in the in the AAA league this year. Um... Like, give us some names. Who would be kind of the who? Who are the kingpins heavyweights? The number ones in the AAA league. So, a few guys that people uh, may may know uh, from past uh, LNAH times would be Sebastian Sebastian Lefarian. Yeah, um, a guy who also plays for Tetford. Um, this season, uh, today, uh, no, uh, right now he plays for Florida. And, uh, so that's, that's one of the, that's one of the most popular guys out there. Um, so another guy that's a blast from the past that, that's trying to come back this season is Corey Holland. Yes. And, uh, they tried him out in Moncom LNAH. Um, I think they figured he he needed some time to adjust. So now he's playing for the the team that plays uh, right right beside Moncom. It's uh, it's Terbon. I, I don't know. I I will struggle with these French names in English. <laughs> he plays for uh, the team in Terbon. Um, I don't think he played that much. Uh, yeah, I'm just seeing right now, 50 pins in two games. Yeah. Two games, 50 pins. Uh, yeah, there's some crazy shit going on in, these, in this league. Uh, so this is one of the most 
known guys to your crowd. That well, to our crowd, that's for sure. Um, I would say though uh, that the toughest guy in that league is uh, is the guy named uh, Guillaume Weger. Uh, not very well known guy, and because uh, he did not go up at NHL or ECHL and and these leagues that much, but he's a long time guy that played LNH and did not really fight in the golden days. But for some reason, whenever uh, whenever I saw him fight in the last season, that. They were open fights, and the guy was very intimidating. He does not fight that often, though. But um, most of his fights are, you know, the old rating system of uh, drop your gloves. I would, I would say he's got an average of seven or something like that. Very yeah. open fighter. Uh, got brutally KO'd, though, um, a few years back by a guy named Julian Prue. Julian Prue made the flame pre-camp, I think, preseason camp. Uh, an absolute monster, but he, he stopped playing very quickly. I think he was 21, 22 and, uh, called it a career. So sadly, we're missing out on this guy in DLNAH right now, I think. Uh, so yeah, Guillaume Veyus that I think would, if he were to fight every game, would be the guy, the main guy. Um, so other names that were in the LNAH, uh, there's Cedric Vero. Yep, that was there. Uh, uh, in my in the years, I was not watching it too much. Uh, this guy has been doing that forever. Um, I mean, I'm not his biggest fan, as a, let's say technique wise or uh, anything. But the guy is uh, over forty and still does it. So I mean, he may. He may be onto something in order to keep his uh, his career going. So I mean, he's still among the guys that that, that are regulars in uh, this league, number one guy, you know, and uh, uh, gets his uh, fair share of fights, do one or two a game, and uh, yeah, these are some of the names. Uh, I, I don't know who else to talk about this. There are guys that I know, but I'm not sure anyone anyone knows. <laughs> well, let's well we'll move up to the LNH. I mean, I know obviously you follow that league as well. Um, would you say yeah. Would you say Belmar is the is the champ? Okay, so I have a different take on it. Okay, uh, Belmar, you know, is uh, the first guy that that that, that he taught me. Uh, that the enforcer, the role of the enforcer exists. So, uh, I have like a soft spot for the guy. I think he's, I think he's, um, I mean, he'll get, he'll have the best, uh, win loss record, that's for sure. Um, so I think what happens with him is that there's just no competition for him. And, uh, he's obviously the number one. Uh, the top one, I think, that he's the best fighter in this league, that's for sure, or like the strongest dude. Um, I do, however, uh, think that uh, his fights are not the most entertaining. Um, it's probably not because of him. It's just probably more so because uh, he, guys are 
I would not say afraid, but um, they're a little bit stressed uh, when facing him. I, I, he's a lefty, and he has this way of getting into the fight that always the right time for him and getting the first punch in, and then it's over for it's over for uh, anyone that tries him, basically. So right now he's the main guy, the guy to beat, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, well, I mean, yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead. I'd even, I'd even add that uh, uh, what got me back into like uh, watching LNA who was Laval when they had PL three and uh, and Bordalo, and uh, Bordalo had a fight with Belmore, and uh, I think it was like a draw or something. And Bordelow is that guy that was uh, in the NHL, and he went with McGratton toe-to-toe like twice or even three times, I can't recall, and got slightly edged by by McGratton. So, I mean, if Belmar is going to draw to a guy who is arguably top two, top three in the, LA, in the NHL, I think there is just no competition in Quebec and Mipro. So, yeah. yeah, well, and that's my take on it. And Bordelow's back. Yeah, Bordelow's back. So that's a that's a controversy in itself uh, right now, especially among the Val fans because uh, Bordelow was playing for Laval and he was fighting quite well too, and playing quite well, and he got some uh, problems with the law, and uh, we we lost him for. I think it was in 19, 2019, 2020. We lost him for the remainder of the season. And uh, when he came back, he, he announced to everyone on Facebook that uh, he can't fight anymore. Uh, the doctors won't let him. And uh, so the fans were, I mean, it's, it's his health and his head. So, I mean, I uh, Personally, I did not think much of it, except that, okay, yeah, yeah so so what? I mean, there's other guys willing to do the job. And um, uh, now that he, uh, yeah, no, he got, he got into it with uh, the fans, or rather the fans got into, uh, into it against him for that. And during the summer, or recently, he got traded to uh, Jean-Pierre. And he's played. He's played, uh, I think now it's two, two weekends and he's got into two fights. Yeah. So the fans in Laval, I think this is Friday. Um, either Bordelow comes to Laval, actually dresses up and faces, uh, very rowdy fans because Laval fans are the craziest by a country mile. Either he does not show up and the fans chant his name the whole game long. <laughs> so uh, I'll be there, that's for sure. Uh, I'm not saying I will be uh, taunting him or anything, but I, I, you know, there's a show coming up, so I'll be there. <laughs> well, like you said, the river of uh, Derek Parker and, and Curtis Swanson being there. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Swanson and Bordalo. That's the fight I want to see. 
I'd like to see that. I, I think I'd like to see Parker. Yeah. Uh, Parker and I don't know. I think uh, both Parker and Bordy have. Uh, well, I'm not too ver- too well versed in like the let's say the art history part of the fight, but I think Parker's style is just like a he swings from like two miles uh, and then he he throws everything in one punch and then. Uh, I, I'd like to see that against uh, against Borgelo for some reason. Uh, I think they, they would make a great match. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. It would be Swanson or Parker. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, Swanson's definitely going to be fighting somebody. I mean, I guess they got Chris Cloutier as well. I don't know if uh, Cloutier will fight. Yeah, he might fight. We'll see. But yeah. Yeah, especially Cloutier. He used to be he used to play for Laval and I with PL three PL three and uh, and Bordalo. Yep. And uh, ever since he, he was beloved by the Laval fans, Cloutier is a pest. He's, that's his role mainly. Um, but you know, he went at it. He that's what the Laval fans would call a number three guy or. Number two guy mostly, but he went at it. He he had like more more shifts than your regular enforcer. Like he he get two three shifts a period, and he would tear shit up, make the game you know add something that would that would um, make the game more interesting. Try to run a guy or. Uh, you know, face wash a guy after the whistle, and then all the players get, you know, there's a scrum, and that's his job, Cloutier. But he gets a fair share amount of points. So we'll get into it for sure, and the fans will, the fans, they will, uh, they will make, like, fun of him, and uh, they, when he gets through the penalty box, uh, the craziest fans are around it. They're throwing stuff, and uh, oh my god, this is this is uh, this is something else. Well, and the thing with Cloutier, of course, he's been there. He's been in the LNH for the very beginning, which is just insane. I mean, he's been in that league for yep. almost twenty years, and I mean, he's the all-time penalty minute leader. And it's like, yeah, he's uh, he's had a hell of a career in the LNH. That's for sure. Yeah, he, and you know what? Like, uh, not the best win loss record, but, uh, he did the job. He did what he was supposed to do, made yeah. games interesting. Uh, by far the most hated player on the op- opposing team all the time. So, hey, what, what's not to like? <laughs> you say if you're hated, you're doing something right. Absolutely. Hey, what do yeah. you, um, Speaking of in in Quebec and you know a former NHL player and I mean uh, you know he can put up the points but he'll fight. Um, what do you think of Danik Paquette? Danik Paquette is my actual favorite player on on Laval. So Danik is um, he used to he he has even like a AHL time. Uh, I think uh, at some point with uh, Hershey. Um, great, great, good player. Um, if I'm going to talk hockey skills, I think what he lacked was, uh, was, uh, skating speed. But otherwise, this guy is everything you would want. Uh, this guy fights. He hits. 
and he's got a fair share of suspension this uh, this season, uh, <laughs> trying to run guys all the time. Um, and he's actually quite the warrior because um, if if uh, a team like the the team he plays for cannot line up like two enforcers. Uh, this guy's playing first line minutes, by the way, more than a point per game. Yeah. He'll take over the enforcing duty. Or he, it's, at this point, is it even enforcing when it's, it's like we're waiting, the fans are just waiting for that. Like it's, uh, it's, it's I think, uh, uh, I call it, what people call it, the show or the show. Um, it's sort of like uh, when they start the game, it's like all oh, the enforcers lined up, and you know, like it's uh, this guy's gonna go with that guy, and this guy's gonna go with that guy. Well, when Laval can't trust two enforcers, Pocket goes. Pocket goes. That's it. He'll, he he's everything you would want. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so it's yeah, it's. He's not there to fight, but we'll do it if necessary or if the game needs a spark. That's my favorite type of guy. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, it just kind of, uh, you know, as we're kind of just talking about uh, current LNAH and stuff like that, I mean, um, you know, as, as far as the league goes, it's like you got Dave Hamel and uh, – you know, J.F. LaFrance from, of course, that was in Ice Wars. He's been in Ice Wars 1 and 2. Uh, he's out in Laval. I think he's actually, he got a six-game suspension here recently. So, um, uh, Ken yeah. Auger. <laughs> nope, go ahead. No, 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 I was just laughing because uh, I recall the suspension, how he got it. <laughs> well, it was in a... He, just, he decided to cross the line during warm-ups. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a pre-game. It's a and... stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, good. Just like the good no old days. No zebras around. Yeah. No zebras. Yeah. No, exactly. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, he's got the right. JF JF's got. I, I'm Facebook friends with him. This guy's got the uh, old uh, old lineage mindset for sure. Every day he's sharing a uh, slapshot movie quotes and. Uh, He's just into it for that. He's jacked. He's jacked. Yeah. Uh, and this guy actually is from, a, I would call it like the the first batch of AAA guys that uh, got into LNAH this season. They graduated. <laughs> uh, so, because for, for a long time, I think LNAH teams, they relied on whatever guy they had. And they were just holding on to this guy, like um, uh, Sorrell had Lacker, David Lacroix, for years now. And they were just like, okay, we don't have, we don't need to uh, to develop new guys. Uh, we have him, going to be here forever. Well, it turns out no. And by the way, this is very sad news that Lacker is uh, is sick right now, so he's not coming back. But this season, uh, this season has seen a bunch of AAA guys come into LMAH. Uh, it's just sad that uh, you, you can tell that they were not developed as much 
as they used to be back in the days. Uh, I, I think some of these guys do struggle a little bit to be on like Hamel's level or Omar's level for sure. Uh, but they go at it. That's the most important part of it. Like they're, they'll get better. It's, you can't judge uh, them too negatively if it's their first year in that league and fighting guys that, that, that strong. Um, people are harsh against them sometimes. Uh, But I support them all the way. AAA guys coming into the league, they're thrown into a number one role facing Belmar. Uh, I mean, yeah, let's not get too too tough on them. Like they, they know they they know what they have to do. So LaFrance is one of these guys in tri- that that went from AAA to LNH season full time. Uh, there's um, there's Moraine in. Uh, Uh, RDL. I don't know if you if you're familiar with the well, Yadzulu or something. Yeah, so there's that guy too. There's Timo in St. George that went AAA to LMAH season. So these guys are bond are bound to replace the old guard, basically. So, well, and that's the thing. It's still, it's, yeah, it's still fighting in the tank. Oh yeah. Well, and then for people listening that are just like, oh, why don't they go get Brett Gallant from the American League? Or you know, unfortunately, this is where the LNH, in my opinion, fucked up. It and it's I don't know why they're doing this. I I've a, I asked this question at Ice Wars to uh, Dan Danny Cote and and JF LaFrance and. Uh, And Simon and everybody from Quebec that was at Ice Wars, I asked them, and they didn't, you know, they were just rolling their eyes too. Um, I don't know what, there, it was a few years ago they put the rule in. The only way you can now play in the LNAH is whether it's either to be born in Quebec or to have played Quebec Junior League. That's it. Okay, yeah, well, um, I have seen the, the actual rule. Uh, I have it. I had it sent uh, to me uh, by email, and it's a little bit more lenient than that. Um, but it's it's also very limiting. So there, you have to be born in Quebec, or uh, having played previously in the LNAH. Yes. Or you have to have played in the Q, or in the the league into uh under the queue so i think it's triple a junior or you have to have played in a mar- uh, maritime uh junior hockey league so the m uh, is it the mj no not mjhl majhl yes. so the the league in new brunswick you can draft out of this league too but this league does not necessarily have a lot of fighting in it um And there's even another loophole that I've uh, that I've uh, got that, well that allowed me to look for name is guys that have played CIS university uh, level in Quebec. So there's McGill, Concordia. There's three teams they can draft from. So it's getting complicated, and teams are not getting into it that much. Um, but there's a fair share. I did at some point make a list of all guys, ECHO, uh, SPHO, 
even AHL, that would be allowed to play in the LNAH. And by the way, the Galah brothers, they played in the queue. They are absolutely eligible. Oh, yes. um, I just think I just think at that point in their career, they just I, I, I guess they just uh, think they they should stick in the the AHL, and that's all right for them. I mean, it's a good career, so they're well, having fine careers. I, well, I think at this point, the LNH probably couldn't afford them. Yeah. Okay. So this is another thing. <laughs> uh, after uh, some team got in trouble with the law, I think it's in 2008. I'd say. Uh, yeah. I mean, the way teams pay their players and uh, is a, this is it, it's got a little bit more complicated to hand out uh, a lot of money for these players. So uh, yeah. Well, yeah, the because, well, and, and, the tr- and the trouble that you're talking about, of course, is off-the-book payments and not paying tax and that type of thing and playing pl- paying players in cash or half their contract is on cash and half of it's on the books. And there was, there was some, uh, yeah. there was some funny shit going on in the LNAH. We'll put it that way. But back then in 04, 05, 06 and like the glory years, as we were talking about earlier, the money was free flowing back then, boy. And, uh, Outside of the NHL, it was probably where you made the most money. So, yeah. Um, oh, I, I, I had uh, I had a coach, a minor hockey coach. He was playing for the Saints. Uh, he had that as a career. I mean, a scorer, not a not an enforcer, but like it was it was enough money. So that's a teams were rich back then. Nowadays, uh, the budgets are are tightly, uh, tightly held. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And that's the thing too. I mean, and that's how you could attract all the names that you could back in the day with the money. But, um, I was going to say when back then, and there's always been like, uh, pardon me, the, uh, you know, um, the hell's angels were involved or the mob, you know, the Quebec mob was involved and, and all that stuff. When you would go to games, what was, did you, was there sort of a, a kind of a seedy, dark kind of, uh, what, what was the crowd like? Could you sense that there was some, some trouble there or was it, was it pretty good? Uh, I mean, usually pretty good. If there was trouble, it was with players and fans. Um, I mean, it was more, it, it was, uh, it, it's not the same crowd as it was when it was a, a QMJHL team, that's for sure. But I did not see... So you, you were talking about the biker gang. Personally, I have not seen them. Maybe they were not wearing whatever they're supposed to wear. I don't know. Um, but no, for me, it was just... Uh, it was just uh, uh, normal crowds. And uh, but I have like I, I am aware of some stories that even before the LNAH, I, I've been told a story about uh, I was that that must be QSPHL. Um, it was uh, the team in Windsor PQ, so that's very close to where I'm from. Uh, they had uh, they had a guy who was uh, well known. Uh, figure in the biker gang and there was some of their money poured into that and and uh 
they were playing uh, Saint Saint, and uh, Saint Saint was a rival biker gang. And uh, at that game, there were cops and there were armed bikers in the stand. So <laughs> that that surfaced in the news and everything. But uh, yeah, this is just uh, wild. That's from the '90s, though. This is way before the LNH. I was probably not even born. But I've seen the article about that. It's, uh, it's actually happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> well, one of, yeah. One, of the, one of the incidents that's been talked about, well, you're in the fight groups with me in the Enforcer Appreciation Group, and, and uh, uh, you know, we've seen the people talking about it. And he's a very polarizing figure, of course, is Donald Brashear. And, yeah. um, you know, had an excellent NHL career, contrary to some people's beliefs. Um, and he did play yeah. in the LNAH back in the day in the lockout. He played with Quebec Radio X, and he has since played a bunch yeah. of years in the LNAH after he got out of the NHL. But he is actually playing, uh, I guess, would it be double-A senior hockey this year? Okay, yeah, so he's playing what we would call senior A. Okay. So it doesn't make much sense, but... Uh, how it works in Quebec semi-pro leagues is there's LMAH at top. There's uh, AAA, that's the feeder league into LMAH. And those two leagues are Quebec-wide. And then there's multiple local senior leagues under AAA that, uh, that are very local. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so this is uh, this is uh, a team in which uh, well, the team Bashir uh, plays for is the team uh, First Nations of Wendake, Uh that's near Quebec City, and uh, so he plays for them. They're the Blackjacks, the Wendake Blackjacks, and it's Senior A, and they were playing a team, a, it's a small village. Um, in uh, in uh, Saguenay region, and uh, so we saw the, the footage. Like it went all over the news here. Oh, former nature attacks, uh, helpless player. Well, it was almost like that, right? But oh yeah, uh, when the suspensions when the suspensions were handed out, I mean, the other guy also got suspended, um, which. Uh, well, I mean, I did see an article. It was in French. It probably it probably wasn't translated into English. But the other guy was the first guy who threw punches. So, I mean, come on, you really want to get for sure uh, mad at you? Is that a good idea? This guy is not winning any door with a word. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and that and that was my point in the group because, because of course the video that hit social media just shows Brashear punching the shit out of the guy. It didn't show the guy starting the whole thing, and of course every everybody right away has to get all over Brashear and oh, I always knew that asshole. He'd do stuff like that and whatever. And like I put in the in the group, I'm like, well, did you think the ass kicking just fell out of the sky? Like, Brashear just yeah. decided, oh, I'm going to punch the shit out of this guy. You really think that's what happened? Or you don't think that this guy might have egged on the whole situation? 
And by the sounds of it, that's exactly yeah. what happened. Well, that was my uh, my take on enforcer appreciation. Yeah, I made a post about that even before the the suspension and the actual story came up. Came up, I said, "This is senior A hockey. Uh, Brashear is by far uh, the biggest name in that league, and he's a legend. Don't you think some random guy trying to make a name for himself? Don't you think there's no one that's going to?" Walk up, skate up to Brashear and try to try something against him. I mean, I've worked in arenas for a while, and when it was uh, free, uh, free hockey, I don't know, like free, free roaming hockey, I don't know how you call that in English, but uh, whenever there was um, a local guy that played serious hockey that was in the arena, you would always have a bunch of uh, a bunch of stupid little shits trying to get into it with this, you know, serious player and uh, just try, you know, so, uh, yeah, this is probably what happened. I, this, that was my take on enforcer appreciation. There's a fucking, a fucking jackass that decided it was a good idea to skate up to Brashear, throw the first punches, and uh, see what happens after yeah, not a good, uh, not a good idea. And uh, whatever people say about Prashir, <laughs> I mean, uh, you may not like his fighting style. I don't care about that. This guy has was the most incredible win loss record. This guy was has played NHL for so long. He he's done MMA or whatever it's called right nowadays. Uh, I mean, not a good idea to, I don't want a Matthew Brashear, uh, against me. No, no, he's one of, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always said, I've said this, I've said it on this show a million times and, and, uh, and their group and everything. I mean, you can say whatever you want about Brashear. You don't have to like him or whatever, but you got to give the devil his due. I mean, the guy was one of the best to ever do it. And he had a, you know, almost a thousand game NHL career. And so I don't, I don't know to, uh, you know, to sit there and say he sucked and he wasn't any good. Well, you sound like an idiot, you know, like, like, I don't like Brashear. I'm not a fan of Donald Brashear's. I don't like Brashear, but I'm not going to sit here and say he sucked. You sound stupid. Like, no, he didn't (laughs) suck. And, and he won way more than he lost. And, uh, the one thing I've always said about Brashear that I actually res- uh, that, that I respected about him was when the lockout happened in 0405 and and all these guys went to Sweden and you know whatever in Switzerland to play Brashear went to the LNAH. like I know like that's the craziest thing ever like you talk about skating in with a bullseye like here's the one of the yep. NHL kingpins goes to the LNAH and every guy and their dog is chomping at the bit to fight him because they want to make a name for themselves, you know. Yep. And the league stacked back then, like every team's six, seven guys deep, and and this guy's, you know, forty seven games. He has fifty points. He has two hundred and sixty minutes. Has twenty fights. And this is a lockout year. I mean, I know Quebec Radio X paid him a ton of money, but I mean, still. To go down and do that is unbelievable. He didn't have to do that. No. For sure, he could have uh, gone for uh, 
uh, easy. Well, I don't know if you can call it easy, but like he could have gone to whatever Switzerland league or whatever and uh, uh, score a few goals and uh, not get hurt in a fight and come back in full, uh, full, you know, in the best shape of his life the next year after. No, he decided to go into uh, play for his local team because he's uh, he was born in the U.S. and he was raised in Quebec City. So uh, that's his local team. Uh, he was playing with uh, uh, Dubé and he, you know he fought. And there's a bunch of videos on YouTube, but he he fought some of the tougher guys that that season. I don't think he got like a lot of fights. But he's gotten he's gotten into the fights he had to get into, uh, you know, first line player probably. So I guess you don't want to get hurt, or you don't want to. I guess the coaches don't want to lose the guy for five minutes. I don't know how. I don't know how exa- exactly it works, but he did it. He did it all. And he's he's also gotten into a little bit of trouble uh, during that year. I think he he pulled up, he pulled up. I, this is this is really far in my mind. But if I recall correctly, he he beat a guy, and he kept uh, punching the guy when he was down. Um, I can't recall who the guy was. I think he had like some sort of a, a Russian name or uh, oh, you know. Glenn Kirkstad. Yeah. Oh, that sounds more uh, Polish, but whatever. Yeah, I think that's the guy. It is. Yep. Yeah, he beat him in a line brawl really bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't want for sure mad at you. And, no. you know, that's the moral of the story. Yeah. Um, uh, I was gonna, did you go to any games when he was playing in the league? If I went, uh, I did not uh, hear quite well. Did you go to any games when he was in the league? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, that's actually the first year my my dad brought me to uh, to the games, but I cannot recall seeing Brashear fight in Sherbrooke. I have no memory of that. Uh, but I have uh, clear memories of other guys on his team that season, especially that was my favorite on Quebec uh, Radio X was uh, Jacques Dubé. Yeah, okay. So that and that's the thing. And this guy, like again, Jacques Dubé. What an interesting story. Um, I believe he was a bouncer, and he wasn't even a hockey player. And I think they just sort of found him and said, like, do you want to play? And um, and he and he played back in the old QSPHL and uh, um, and he and again he played forever too. Um, how much of a fan like that guy is just a fan favorite in Quebec? Like he's loved with Radio X. Um, what are your memories of Jacques? Uh, my memories of him is uh, he wasn't he wasn't much of a skater. You could tell so. So, okay, so the whole uh, QSPHO to LMAH thing, um, you know, a lot of money was was brought into the league, obviously. So a lot of the, these guys that were, that were QSPHO enforcers, um, they were local guys, and the QSPHO was 
not that professional and it was it was a good show but it was you know it was less professional and then it turns to LMAH a lot of money and former nationers get into this league so I think a lot of the enforcers of the old the QSPH of, of the old league they got a little bit overwhelmed and they got uh, basically not thrown out but they um, yeah, they got relegated to feeder leagues to, into the LMAH. Dubé is one of those who who uh, who, who was, were able to stick around. Yep. Uh, one of my favorites, I remember this guy. I mean, he'd get into a fight, and he, he's not that good of a skater. He would just plan his skate. No defense, and just throw <laughs> just as simple as that. He skates right, right. Uh, skates like uh, planted in the ice and throw, and for the better or the worse. I mean, he does. He did not win all of his fights, uh, but <laughs> what a fun rating, though. Uh, like, uh, I put up a fight of uh, Dubé on YouTube. Search for it, and you'll see. Four out of five fights are toe-to-toe. Oh, uh, my, One of my favorites. Well, yeah. Well, one of my favorites. Well, just throw it out there. Who are who are some of the guys, uh, you know, in your, in your LNAH fandom? Who who were your, some of your favorite guys? Well, to stay uh, in that team and in that year, Donald Grishir was not the only NHLer on that team. Uh, there was former Habs player, Sylvain Blouin. Yep playing that year, so another tough guy. I, I, I do not know much of his pedigree. I just know he played in NHL, was an, an enforcer. Um, and some some of the other guys in that in the, that team um, that that were not that were well known uh, is uh, Rémi Royer, uh, who who was a good player too. Uh, and 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 uh, a tough guy. He had he had a lot of lots of uh, of minutes uh, in this in this league, not just uh, in the penalty box. Like he was he was playing top pairing. So uh, I mean, and that was a good time when he, each team had like five enforcers that were designated for that. But also the top pairing guys, a lot of them were tough guys too, or they could they could throw they could throw him. So Hidget Wayne was one of these. Uh, so that's for Quebec. Um, they had a player that did not stick around too much in the LNAH, but that that used to be uh, that used to, that that's a legend in the feeder leagues, in the lower leagues. It's Ronnie Valenti. Yeah. This guy. Oh my God! This guy. Uh, um, I mean, he's done everything, every antics. Uh, fight in the penalty box, uh, uh, fight multiple times. I don't know, like, all kinds of crazy shit. Um, so yeah, I like these guys too. These guys that were not necessarily the best, but they were the craziest. Um, so in Sherbrooke, we had a guy like that. It was JF St. Alain. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, this is one of the specimens. I would call him that way. Fight. He's, uh, I don't know if it was Ronnie Valenti, but J.F. St. Laurent, 
actually at some point he uh he there was a lion brawl and Ronnie Valenti sure was in that lion brawl too. And uh they were they were thrown into the penalty box and you know, the zebras they go away and all of a sudden you see uh J F Sailor he he jumps uh, across the, the the glass, falls into the announcer's uh booth and <laughs> uh escalates into the other uh penalty box and just they have a fight there and they fall on the announcer and uh, it's just crazy and this is just madness. So I think there's a video of that on YouTube. Uh, yeah, so crazy specimen. Uh, I could go on and on about the guys of that of that, uh, that era. And now, a message from our sponsors. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can, can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in and place the same-game parlay on the NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get your free bet back. Keep your eye on the Golden State Warriors, folks, the defended champs. They're healthy. They're starting to move. They're climbing the standings. Always keep an eye on them with Curry and the boys. Yeah, they're a pretty solid bet. But download the app now and sign up with the code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with the code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, just like you were saying on that Quebec team, I mean, you know, you had Brashear, Blue Ann, and Royer, and... Um, Jason Hamilton and Dubé and yeah. Chad Richard, Jason Payne. I mean, you know, uh, Jason Boyle. I mean, it's just on and on, right? With uh, with guys. Yeah, um, Sherbrooke. Sherbrooke had a bunch also that I that I recall even more than the others because because that was my local team and uh, so we had uh, players like. Uh, Maxwell, you know, he was out of the AHL and, uh, he was the, probably the, the, the guy that got the most fights. Yeah. Um, not necessarily my favorite fights, but dude was taking a regular shift, especially when he first came in and he was in, in decent shape and, uh, he got all kinds, he was facing, I mean, the, the fans were a little bit rough on him because, he had balance issues, so at the end of fights, he would always, not always, but he, he would go down with the guy on top of him. And um, fans are a little, sometimes they're a little bit, uh, they, they don't know much, I think. And uh, they, they felt like Maxwell lost the fight. But, I mean, Maxwell would punch the guy most, uh, most of, for most of the fight, right? Uh, and they would feel like he lost any, anyway, so... Uh, no, uh, Maxwell got into the, the, he fought the strongest competition. I think Sherbert treated him as their number one guy. Uh, he, if, if there was a guy that went against Dario, the animal, it was going to be Maxwell first, at least. Uh, so yeah, Maxwell was there. We had Brad Wingfield, uh, that you had on the show that, uh, that was a great guest. Yes, he was. Um, yeah. 
Yes, I remember. I remember a few of his fights. Um, uh, I I have like a a memory of him getting thrown out of the game uh, with uh, no uh, not, like yeah he was in the bare chested yeah that's what the word I was looking for the bare chested gets thrown out of the game uh, yeah a bunch of guys like these and uh, Simon Robit uh, actually from my hometown so I I have a I have a relationship with him. He's a teacher, and he he hired me for um, for uh, one of his class uh, one of his classes. Uh, so uh, I it's a little bit complicated to uh, to uh, to explain, but basically he's like a history teacher, and I I had a little bit of studies in that, so I came into his classes and. Uh, uh, I taught the kids. They were like high school, uh, like uh, I'd say, tenth grade, eleventh grade, and yeah, good guy, very good guy out outside of the ice, that's for sure. Um, one of the local guys from the QSBHL that stayed, that was able to stick around. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, yeah, and he yeah. did. It, yeah, he did it for a long time, and um, yeah, he and I mean, he definitely yeah. had his fair share of fights as well. Um, yeah, one of, one of the guys, of course, um, in the season that we're talking about, kind of that 0405, that lockout Brashear year, but, um, uh, you, of course you had Sasha Lakovic and Frank Bialois came to Sherbrooke for a few games, but another guy that was on the team and we were talking about Dubé being a legend, um, again, is definitely a legend in that Quebec fight scene, uh, with Mike Bro. Mike Bro, Oh Yeah. Mike Bro, okay, so I haven't, like, I personally, I have not seen much of him, like, uh, in person. Um, Mike Bro is a legend, QSPHL all-time legend, for sure. And he had, I think it was early in the year, he he, he played a little bit for sure, but um, I do recall the fans, because I, 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 I was not that savvy, in terms of like enforcers at that time, but I remember the fans, uh, they were not that, uh, impressed. Sadly, I mean, I, I, I am not the one saying that they were. Um, so I don't know, I don't know what happened with him in, uh, Sherbrooke. Um, yeah, uh, but he did play, he did play and he, he, his career ended with uh, a brutal tail in the in the feeder league uh, that at that time was named uh, LHSAM. So and it was one of the he got absolutely KO'd by uh, Sam Levake. Sam Levake, who uh, after that made a name for himself and went on to be up till today uh, uh, an enforcer in the VDF Blue for three L. So that's what I remember of, of Bro. I mean, I think he's got a season in which he had like 500 penalty minutes. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, one of these. Uh, I was going to say. He's one of these crazy guys. But, yes, yes, go ahead. No, I was just going to say with Mike Bro, uh, uh, friend of the show, Yuka, um, who, who puts together fight DVDs and stuff. 
Um, one of the projects he has been working on forever has been a Mike Bro DVD set of all of his fights. Oh my god! And Ooh. I know, and he said even because he has the drop the glove stuff. He said there he had there had to, there was a hundred plus fights that weren't even on Drop Your Gloves that he know that he has that he knows about. Mm-hmm. And I want to say his his total the last time I talked to him about the project is he had over six hundred fights of Mike Bro on tape. That is crazy. Yeah, six. Listen to that again. As I said that, right, people, folks, six hundred six zero zero. And I believe it's actually the number was closer to 700. And he thinks he's missing about 60 still. So, yeah, you just, um, yeah, insane how, how long that guy did it. For. Insane. Yeah. Yeah, there was a guy like, like, like that, uh, uh, in the Laval environment, Danik Lassard. Yes. Uh, who, who, he claims, well, I think he drank, he, uh, he claims he has, Four hundred and ninety-four fights. Yep, and and he adds that were registered because there's more that that uh, whatever league he was and simply did not register them. So uh, he he wanted to aim for five hundred and then call it a career, uh, but he got uh, he he was shot and. Um, uh, he was shot by a guy who was released uh, early from jail, and uh, he got into—I wouldn't call them politics—but like he, he, he definitely uh, he went out all over the media and was represented by his lawyer, uh, Jamie Linos. Yep. Uh, they went on the news. They were like, uh, "Yeah, we want tougher sentences uh, for people like that," and yeah, and whatnot. So. That's, uh, yeah, that it was hard. It's, I mean, he's, I think he still dreams of getting 500 registered fights. And you know what? Like he, he's, he's do well, he's done rehab, like a physical rehab and, uh, he's 43. I see him often at the Laval, uh, Laval games and he's, he's doing well. I mean, like he doesn't seem to have any hindrance. Uh, so, uh, if Corey Holland can try to come back at 46, 47, why not Lassard get, get, why not give a chance uh, to Lassard for reaching 500? Laval, are you listening? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, then that's, that's another guy whose fights were mostly entertaining. Maybe not the biggest guy, maybe not the guy with the best win loss record, but entertaining. Oh, yeah, Danik Lassard was great. Again, anybody listed, yeah, look up Danik Lassard fights. You will not be disappointed. Him and Louis Bedard yep. have a tremendous, actually, tremendous fight. Oh, yeah. He, uh, Lassard was awesome. I'm a huge Danik Lassard fan. Yes. Um, Are there any other guys you have questions about? Well, I was going to say, I mean, you know, we've talked here for a while. I don't want to take up your whole night because I know you're, you got some, you got stuff going on, but. Um, just as we're, we're sitting here kind of wrapping up, I know everybody likes, uh, you know, with this show, I always do lists and the, you know, the five toughest New York Rangers and the blah, 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 and all that stuff. Um, just as a, as an old L&H fan that you are, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, if oh. somebody, if somebody said you're in the L&H, 
uh, throughout the years, your top five, who, uh, your your top five uh, best guys, who who would who would they be? So you want to know like uh, the ones I think would win the most fights, or my fav- my personal favorite guys? Well, not your favorites, but I mean, just like if somebody said, who are the five? Or like they always say, the Mount Rushmore. You know, the four best guys. Oh. Who's your Mount LNH Mount Rushmore? We'll put it that way. Who are your the four faces of the LNH Mount Rushmore? Okay, so I will have to. I will have to say Joel the Animal Fairy. I won't be. I won't be. A, I'll, I'll be like a, all the other ones, probably. So Joel the Animal Fairyo. Yeah. For for the legend that he is, I mean, uh, he everyone knows him. Not just LNAH people, but not just hockey people. Like uh, Joel Ferio is somebody that is well is kind of well known uh, in the minds of people. Uh, so. Yeah, he's one of the most important guys to have laced them up in that league. Um, I'll say another guy that's really well known is Steve the Boss Bosse. Yeah. Um, so I guess I guess I'm going to name guys that are actually locals because like maybe like the fans they 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 like them even more for that. I don't know, but uh, yeah, definitely. Ferio and Basse are probably the most well-known uh, LNAH enforcers outside of the LNAH ecosystem. Um, amongst the other players, I'd have to throw in uh, John Marasti. Yeah. Um, he hasn't been in LNAH for, I, I don't know how many actual games and seasons he spent in the LNAH, but I know that if you bring his name up into uh, any LNAH-related conversation, people know exactly who he is, how he fights. Uh, they probably know exactly his height and his weight. Uh, very well-known guy. Uh, when it was uh, last year, I think it was last year, and Laval was, was taunting the fans, like, oh, we found the number one guy. And, um, yeah, and the, fa- the fans were like, oh, this is nasty. Nasty is back. And they were making memes and photoshops and, that and whatnot. And turns out he was supposed to come. But uh, he, I think he, I don't know if he just decided, but he, he was trying to get an acting career. Is that correct? And some... TV series, so he could not come, and it was it was Parker that came instead. Uh, yeah, well, Marasti, so, yeah, John Marasti ended up filming, yeah, the TV show Shorzy. Yeah, so definitely a legend, especially among uh, Sorrel fans. They still have their jerseys of the old uh, uh, the, the old team that they had there, uh, and it's mostly Marasti jerseys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Well, for those another wondering, guy I, I, I will name... I just looked it up. Marasti played 120 LNAH games. 
So that's the impact he's had on the league yeah. in in uh, in 120 games. So yes, that's uh, that's a very big impact. Um, so my Mount, Mount Rushmore after that, I would put in Mike Barog, probably a homer pick for a guy that was in Sherbrooke. Uh, definitely. Definitely one of the most dangerous guys out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, one of the biggest. Uh, and finally, I would... I don't know if I, I... I'll try to make do something different here and go into like the, the um, more recent years. But uh, one of my favorite guys in the recent years that I think is, has a great win-loss record and also a very, very entertaining fight is uh, Gabby Rock. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Gabby. Gabby is uh, trying to recover right now of a car accident. Um, uh, Gabby, man, he's done it uh, for a while. I mean, he, he arrived in the league right after the Golden Age ended. So, because I remember he was in Drummondville in the queue uh, around 2004 or 5. That year, I followed both leagues. Yeah. So, so he's done it for a long time, but he's still in the age, in an age, uh, yeah, that he can come back. And actually, he's done a comeback and a very successful comeback at that because he stopped playing in Laval. Uh, in 2017, when I was just getting back into it, and uh, he did not play for for a few seasons, and he came back last year with Sorrell, and uh, among the first fights that he had, he took down uh, Dave Hamel, and Hamel he was uh, holding the belt at that time, and they got into a slugfest. Hamel got the upper hand in the beginning. Gabby uh, scored a TKO win, in my opinion, uh, in that fight. And uh, he, he was back. He was back in action. Uh, he lost the fight uh, to Baltimore after, but he had a, he had broken fingers. So, I mean, let's see what he can do. But for a long time, he was in John Kier, and he was alongside Penner and McMorrow. I've seen the videos. I was not following the league that much. But, I mean, the guy could go... I, I put Thurio on the Mount Rushmore, and Gabby could could stand to, up to him in very entertaining fights and long fights. I mean, he's got to be up there. Yeah, do you know, so, do you know I, how bad his car accident was? Like, can he come back and play? Uh, okay, so Gabby is a Sorrell player, but he is also... A coach in the AAA league, I think it's for uh, Trois Either a coach or a GM, but I, I see him in this range, in that range. So he walks around, and I've heard that he will be back in the lineup in February, so that he can be allowed to play in the playoffs. So he's not ready yet. They're going to dress him and not play him. Um, because in the LNH, they have to have, in order to be eligible for the playoffs, 
they have to play, I think, uh, five games before a certain date in uh, in uh, February. So he's probably going to be back by the playoff time. So yes, I hope so. That, yes, because Sorrell, they just lost their enforcer to an actually very bad uh, uh, illness. So. Well, yeah, yes, I mean, uh, you know, before we leave, and I know that's kind of a obviously a close subject for you. Um, I know, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's been put out online, so we're not, you know, we're not spread secrets or anything. But I mean, um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you, you, you want to share the information and uh, about. Uh, yeah, well, I can. I, yeah, I can share the information that that. that already publicly available because what happens is uh, they lacquers uh, that we're talking about David Lacroix and uh, he's a seasoned Sorrell uh, enforcer. He's 32, I think. I'm going to look it up. He's around 32. And uh, he's, uh, oh, he's a little older. He's 35, 34. So he's from Windsor, PQ, which is very close to my hometown. And uh, my sister uh, my sister's husband is uh, his cousin, and actor. Uh, uh, he he knows my parents more than he knows me. That's for sure. They, they went camping with my sister and whatnot. So he's kind of close. I've talked to him a few times, and uh, yeah, just recently he he up until I think it was January the sixth. He had a fight. He won it. Everything seemed to be. Doing fine, and uh, not too long after that, he he said on his Facebook that he had uh, a, a very severe illness, a very aggressive cancer, and uh, that was just a few days after. And uh, I, my, I mean, cancer is always uh, very bad, but I thought like he's. Is he's healthy, so he's probably going to beat it. But uh, just recently, a few days ago, his coach, uh, Christian Deschamps, former LNAH player, he put up a GoFundMe in which he said uh, that uh, it was, like, terminal. Yeah. So it went it went very quickly. It's stage four. It's... Uh, and uh, Lacker on his own Facebook said he was losing autonomy. So uh, they're trying to uh, there's there's a GoFundMe up. I mean, if we're going, I'm I'm a I'm on Enforcer Appreciation. I mean, people don't. Not everyone likes David Lacroix, but he's an enforcer. He's been doing it. And if I'm if I appreciate enforcers. I better I better talk about that. So uh, this is why I made a post on enforcer appreciation. Uh, yeah, I just share the GoFundMe, and uh, if people want to chip in money, I don't. I I think it's to give him treatment to uh, not necessarily prolong his life, but more make it more comfortable in yeah. a way. So yeah. I think that's um, that's what's. Uh, that's what's happening. If I click on it right now, they they have almost twenty thousand, uh, and teams are chipping in money. Like uh, Louisville Triple A Senior League, Senior Triple uh, A League, uh, 
chipped in just just chipped in a thousand bucks. So I mean, it's a it's a whole talk right now. I think uh, this uh, this weekend all see all senior uh, teams will have uh, will talk about that and celebrate him. I hope so. Uh, especially Sorrell is probably going to be uh, a big uh, a big thing over there. So yeah. Um, yeah. that note to end the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, yeah note, I mean, not the not the not the greatest uh, kind of ending there. That, uh, but I definitely yeah. wanted I wanted you to I, I mean I wanted to shed some light on it and talk about it with David Lacroix. Unfortunately, with the with the terminal cancer, and um, again, I will put the the link up to the GoFundMe in the in the description. Um, yeah, and I mean, like you said, thirty five years old, big in shape, tough dude, and. Uh, yeah, and it's exactly. a, yeah, and cancer. It's just uh, yeah, cancer yeah. sucks, man. And he's done it. He's done it the old way. David uh, learned how to skate. He was fifteen, and uh, he decided he was going to be an enforcer in Semipro, and put his mind to it. And I remember, because uh, uh, you know he was he was always. Uh, yeah, I went to school with his cousin, and uh, this guy also got into semi-pro, and uh, yeah, we were talking, people were making fun, like, oh, he can't skate, and uh, oh, uh, he's not good, and everything, and he, when he first started playing for Sherbrooke, those were the years I would not go to the games, but I would hear what the other kids were saying, uh, and well, I just assumed, oh, okay, he's bad, and uh, he he went back into the senior A and senior triple A league. And a few years after he came back into LNAH. Uh, and he, yeah, ever since he came back in 2014, he stayed there. He faced uh, the top, tough guys. Absolutely. No. So and, and Why not appreciate that guy? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Enforcer appreciation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and uh, for those, I, I mean, we've thrown it out. I'm sure people listening to this show, obviously, uh, majority of people know what I'm talking about because I, I referenced the Facebook group quite a bit. But um, those that don't know, when Francois and I are talking about the Enforcer Appreciation Group, it is a Facebook group, and uh, and that's how I obviously got in touch with Francois. And we talked, and uh, and uh, we we have to we have to moderate the animals in the appreciation group, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, um, yeah, we 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 sort of can't uh, can't really leave on that note. But uh, um, oh, for those I, I was saying, I was yeah. telling you, uh, well, this this show is going to come out later. It'll already have happened by the time people are listening to this. But yes, Curtis Swanson just texted me back. He just he just got off the ice with Laval from practice, so he will be in the lineup oh, yeah. against St. George. So he is there, and uh, yes. That'll that'll be uh, look. I'm looking forward to seeing him. I know he kind of uh, went right into the deep end there this year when he came, finally came back to the LNH and he had to fight Thomas Belmar twice. That's kind of a that's a that's a tough ask for anybody. And uh, so, but now that he's a little more warmed up and been skating, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what the Cowboy can do this weekend. Yes, but uh, yeah, and. Um... Uh, also, uh, Hamel and, uh, Parker, they have a, they, they have sort of a feud on each other's Facebooks. 
chance to talk to him at Ice Wars when he was there and uh, a lot of fun to talk to and uh, and then and yeah. Curtis Swanson is you know I, I, I mean I always joke that I, I'm like Swanee's probably the nicest human I've ever met um, he's a great guy too and uh, it'll, oh, yeah. it'll be it'll be fun to uh, to see him this weekend and I'm glad they're back and uh, you know and uh, and yeah and, and Swanson's uh He's getting ready for boxing. He's got some amateur boxing fights coming up, and he's been boxing all this time. And um, he's actually in better oh, yeah. shape now at 38 than he was when he, like he says, I'm in better shape at 38 than I was at 24 playing in Laval back in the day. So he's uh, he's pumped up and ready to go and in good shape. So yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing that. But uh, one name I was going to ask you about, and we're talking about uh, you know before we go, and we're. Dubé and Bro and all these guys and legends sort of in the LNAH. One name that we didn't mention was Patrick Cote. Oh, I uh, yes, I I know who he is, uh, but I think I have missed him. Uh, I have missed, at least I have missed the best part of his LNAH career. I, I didn't see him like uh, play games with St. John. Um, I, I just cannot recall anything crazy about about him. Uh, I know he was jacked. I know he was. Uh, I, I know he's gotten into uh, trouble. Uh, I've seen his fight like uh, every other fight fan. I'm probably not the most well versed in uh, in uh, Patrick Cote knowledge, but what I can remember from the Saint John Chiefs. Of uh, that season is an up and coming Bosse. Uh, I think something that's the year also he was there. Uh, and yes, the Cote certainly, certainly could have been on my mouth, Rushmore, if I had more uh, clearer, if I had clearer recognition of, uh, of his time. Uh, yes, 
I, he was not, I'm just looking it up right now. I mean, he did play uh, QSPHL LNAH from uh, 01 till uh, 08, but some of these years, four games, 14 games, uh, I do not believe he was in every game that I saw of the Chiefs. I remember the Chiefs with Swanson, though. Um, yeah, that, yeah, well, yeah, Coach A kept getting hurt that year, and he unfortunately didn't play a lot of games, but, uh, yeah, he kind of had a rivalry with Jason Hamilton that year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jason yeah. Hamilton. That's another name. I, I, I liked him, but, uh, when I was young, Jason Hamilton. Uh, I think he was, he, I think he was a good hockey player to, uh, Jason. Or maybe I'm mixing them up with Jason Rushton. Not, to, but yeah, yeah no. I, both these guys, I like them, but I think I'm mixing them up. I know one was a defenseman. I was looking at defensemen all the time. Yeah, Jason uh, Hamilton. Jason yeah. Hamilton was the defenseman, and he was definitely kind yeah, of the tough, tough guy, goon type. Rushton could play a little. Rushton was a tough guy too, but he could score too. Rushton. Rushton was a talented guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, two the two guys uh, were good players and tough fighters, and they did it often. Um, and uh, yeah, I like uh, I like the, they they both played for Quebec Radio X. Yeah. So this is where I think I'm getting mixed up a little bit, but yeah, uh, oh, they're among the top guys of that era for sure. Um, yeah. So. I, I remember other names like uh, Tyler Lawson oh, and uh, yeah. oh, the guy in Sherbrooke that was one of my favorites. This guy was named Steve Reed. Yes. Yeah. Steve Reed. Um, uh, oh, my God. Steve Reed did not. He. I mean, I think it's because he. I don't know if he was facing like top, the top dogs at that time, but. I remember thinking he was like the strongest guy, um, but I mean, he, I, I remember whenever he would he would uh, have a shift, I I would not I would not look at anything else. I was just looking at Steve Reed, and that guy, when he was on the ice, was looking to take runs at guys. That was automatic. He was hitting to hurt and uh, to be to to make other teams afraid. Uh, he was intimidating, and uh, I was I was telling uh, uh, my friend's dad uh, about that. Like, oh, I love Steve Reed. I like Steve Reed, and he did not like him that much. But he did. Uh, he had like a VHS of uh, ice. It was I don't know if it was named Ice Wars, but. There was sort of a enforcer tournament back in these in, in these years, and he faced Link Gates. Yes, and uh, I think you beat him. He if did. I recall correctly, he did. Yeah, it was yeah. The yeah, first he, he did. It was the first fight of the tournament. It was the enforcers black and blue tournament. It was in Prince George in two thousand and five, and Dean Mayrad was the champion who ended up winning it. But yes, Steve Reed was in it, and he beat Link Gates. And that, and it's, it's, but for the, for people that are listening in the last little while, if you've watched the Ice Wars pay-per-view, <clears throat> well, that was not new folks. There's, there was events. This was the original event 
just like that, where they wore helmets and MMA gloves, and it was called the Enforcer Black and Blue Tournament. And if you want to watch the whole thing, it is actually on my YouTube channel. I have the whole event on my YouTube channel, and uh, just type in Hockey Enforcers Pay-Per-View, and up it'll come. But yes, Steve Reed concussed Link Gates in the opening round. And I thought for sure, we all thought Link Gates was going to win that tournament and kill everybody. And here's Steve Reed beating him in the first fight. It's hard to believe. But yeah, Steve Reed was a tough yeah. dude, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he, he wasn't that big, if I recall no. correctly, but he was, uh, he was, uh, he was definitely there at the right time and, uh, got into it. He, he played his game. He played his game. He got a few points. I mean, I remember uh, him scoring, so uh, maybe it didn't happen often. I don't, I don't know, but he did uh, he, at least once. So um, there's that. A uh, bunch of guys that I mean, in that era that I that I loved. Uh, one was Manu Frechette. I think you like him too. Absolutely. Uh, I think he's underrated. I think he. Does not get talked about like the Bedard style. I think like they, I think they got they went unnoticed for some reason. I don't know. Um, and but I can talk to you also about like a feeder league legend uh, around here, like Simon Bizormo or Tommy Baljuke. Yes, uh, these are guys that that you know the the. The old time, the old time hockey fans, they don't talk much, but we always talk about Nasty and the Animal and Bosse, but, uh, there were guys that, that did it all. And they did it all for a long time, not necessarily getting noticed the, the most, but like, if you add up all the leagues they played, all the teams they played, and all the, the penalty and minutes they had, uh, some crazy amounts, you get the, like, uh, Tommy Baljuk, he, he came back this uh, last weekend for the Nakama in the AAA League. Hey, he did something crazy. He jumped a guy and and uh, next shift, uh, Sebastian Leferrier jumped <laughs> Baljuk's goalie. And, uh, you know, it's just AAA stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, and I know, oh, I know from talking to you on the phone and we've talked before, I mean, I know you're a big... Uh, you know, you're a big proponent of that double A league. And, uh, and yeah. I know, and like I said, with your YouTube channel and stuff, I mean, you got me excited about it. I mean, I was watching that channel for a while and it was like, um, yeah, there, there's still, there's still, like you said, there, it's like an old school, it's still like the old school LNH from back in the day. There's crazy shit going on in that league. Yeah, I would, I would compare it more to QSBHL of the end of the 90s. Because it's like three, four guys dressed up on each side just for that. Some of them are local and they, they're on trial basically. Like they, it's a trial and error from the teams. And I don't know how they, they look them up or anything. Maybe it's like in the old days, they, in the old days, like, uh, Jacques Dubé, the, the story is that he was a bouncer and, uh, well, I'm, I don't know how AAA keeps coming with these guys, but like it's as if sometimes they find a big guy in a bar and they decide to give him a pair of skates. So it, it, uh, it's 
for what it is. I mean, it's a good show. Sometimes it's a little funny, but uh, definitely is part of our uh, part of my habits to go to these games. And uh, every small town that has a AAA league is part of their culture. I would say this is all. Uh, yeah, this is culture. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and like you said, with the, with back in that league, I mean, you had Linehouse and his brother, and um, another guy, LP Charbonneau, and um, oh, LP Charbonneau. Yeah, yeah, had uh, five thousand pins. Yeah. Oh, he's known, well, he's known as that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jimmy Burns and Paul Shantz and Dan Tice and. Oh yeah, you could go on and on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I told Shan, he 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 was celebrated in Laval, I think, in twenty twenty. And he he took his clothes uh clothes up and uh decided to 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 slide like a penguin on the ice, just putting on a show all the time. These guys were there for that. They were there for their team, but they did think of the fans and putting on a show and be entertaining. And they did it for us, so this is why this is why I'm a mod on enforcer appreciation. Me and Alex, I don't think we like uh, when guys uh, are disrespectful to enforcers. We like them uh, a lot, so I think I like them all. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm right with you, and I and I'm, and I've always said with this show and uh, and online, and yeah, same thing in the group, and it's. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, everyone has their favorites and everything else, but I think at the end of the day, I'm, you, you know, you, you got to respect the guys that went out and all of them that went out and did it, and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, man, it, it was. Uh, and then when you get into Quebec with the LNH and uh, and the feeder leagues and everything, it's uh, that's a whole different world over there. Yes, it's a whole different world, and for all of these guys, their NHL is the LNH. Yep. That's how it goes. They go senior A. They're, they're good enough. They get, they get some time in the AAA and if they're good enough, there's a Lineage team that tries them and if they're good enough, they stay. So that's how it goes. That's how it, that's how it always went. No, absolutely. And, uh, well, I have one last question before you leave. Uh, one last question. If you were, in charge of the LNAH, what would you change? Okay, so uh, especially, well, obviously, I mean, the important rule for me. Yeah. Um, but I can explain to you the rationale behind it. Absolutely. Uh, behind the important rule, some of the teams are, and they are a majority, they like that rule because... Um, Importing guys cost a lot of money, and uh, not all teams can afford it. So what they think is, if we're making it impossible for every team, um, it levels up the chances. Or I don't know if I expressed myself correctly here, but like, well, it levels the playing field. It levels the playing field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happens in the LNAH is some teams are richer than others, and it's also a big part of uh, attracting players is the traveling uh, makes it hard for some teams to convince players to come 
So if you're a Jonquier or Rivière uh, du Loup or uh, even Stetford and St. George, kind of far, uh, if you're importing guys from Ontario, let's say, it's five hours, six hours drive more than if they played in Laval or Sorel. Because those are the, the, the two teams that are close to Montreal. So if they were to be drafted and paid by Laval and Sorel, it would be easier to convince them to come because, hey, instead of uh, six, uh, yeah, if, if they're in Jonquiera, it's a 10-hour drive. If it's in Laval, it's a four-hour drive. Let's say they're in, uh, I don't know, whatever place in Ontario. So, I mean, this is the rationale behind it. I, I've been, I've been explained that by someone in the Laval organization who would want the, the rule to be eased at least. And every, I think there's every year a thread on LNH fan groups in which fans are like, at least one player per team, one player per team, one import, one one guy per team. Uh, we should allow, but I mean, it's just the fans uh, wanting that. I think most teams uh, they would be at a disadvantage if that were to to come. So this is what this is why it's safe. It's us. It's sad, but it's uh, it's like that. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, and that was the thing, and that's what, I mean, that's what, I mean, I could see their point, because that's what got the league in trouble back in the day. I mean, you had Laval and all these teams spending, I mean, I think Laval at one point had a million dollar payroll, you know, I mean, they were throwing money <laughs> yeah. around like it was left and right, right? And other teams just couldn't compete with yeah. that, so, I mean, I could see hey, their point. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Laval right now, their owners, they made money. And that's going to ring uh, big bells uh, to anyone in the hockey fight community. Uh, the actual owners of Laval, there's, yeah, there's, a, there's a guy in the gas industry, but there's also uh, Julian Remiar. That's the guy that's from the QSBHL. Uh, by he played a little bit in the QSBH. I'm just gonna look at him, look him up. He was, uh, he was, uh, a, like a goon and he likes to be called that way. So that guy played a, a QSBHO, was an enforcer, but his family made money in the, uh, the same, uh, industry as AJ Galante's family. Uh, the, uh, waste management. This is the word I was looking for. Yep. They made money, big bucks, big, big, big bucks in the waste management uh, business. So the Remy Yard, that was his dad, Julian's dad, made a lot of money, but also was kind of a controversial figure uh, like regarding the law. Let's put it this way. So Julian, uh, you know, he he... He bought a bunch of media and, uh, in the 2000s, and he, he, he's a very wealthy man. So obviously, you have an owner like that who likes the hockey fighting, the enforcers. He's got an LMAH team. If there were to be no rules, 
I mean, his team would be stacked. Yeah. Um, so this is what makes the other teams afraid. Uh, right? So it's not just that, but it's the principle overall. If, you know, they make, they have strict rules in place because they want to level up the playing field. They don't want to make it that easy for the richer teams and the teams that are close to Montreal to rack up all the players. So, um, yes, this is, um, this is the rationale behind it. Do I agree with this? I mean, I think it would be a cooler league if every team was able to import an, an enforcer uh, and have the money to pay them. But, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. That's exactly it. It is what it is. But, uh, well, Francois, uh, hopefully, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, hopefully the, your, uh, your listeners, um, actually learned something tonight about, uh, about LNH. Well, yeah, like I mean, talked about the rules and like I said, talked about the feeder league and, and I hope people explore, like I said, your YouTube channel and kind of follow it. And, uh, I mean, if you're just down for some good old fashioned hockey fights, that's, that's the, uh, that's the place to go for sure. Yep. All right. So it's FTM hockey videos on YouTube, by the way. There we go. Well, like I said, I'll put, I'll have the link in the description and, uh, of this, uh, of this episode. So people just go down and click on it and, uh, it'll take you right there. But, uh, well, I want to thank you tonight for coming on the show. It was, uh, I had a lot of fun. It was a pleasure for me too. So, well, yeah, have a good evening. Oh, you as well. Well, like I said, it, uh, this will, uh, hopefully you'll come back on again. And uh, we always like to have an LNH kind of round table and we'll have to, uh, I know we'll get Alec involved because he's a massive LNH fan and, uh, we'll come up with some sort of round table discussion and uh, hopefully you can be a part of it. All right. I'll, I'll be part of it. Willingly. Excellent. All right, man. Well, I'll let you go. You have a good night. Thank you very much. Yeah, you too. Goodbye. Take it easy. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?